Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. I am really excited to share today's episode because it was actually an idea that was meant to be uploaded last year, but I have re-recorded it and included the same intentions, ideas, and research in mind. So just sit back and relax, and we will just jump right into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited to be recording another episode and this episode in particular, as I said in the intro, is one that I had totally recorded an entire episode on and I just never uploaded it last year because I think it got to around January or February and I think I just kind of figured that winter was nearly over and so I never ended up uploading it and it's just sat in my drafts ever since and I genuinely did consider re just uploading that one and just using that one but I think that my thoughts have changed obviously in the past year my mental health has changed and so I think it was just a good idea to kind of re-record record the episode, but have the same ideas, intentions, and research behind it. But before we get into that, I just wanted to share a very quick sort of life update, highs and lows. As I said in the last episode, I kind of want to start incorporating this idea of introducing episodes with my high for the week and the low for the week. And so I'll start by saying that my high, I think I'm still riding that high of signing up for both marathons for next year. And I know that I didn't do such a great idea of keeping that a secret. And I think I'd already been quite vocal about it on some of my social media platforms. So it wasn't like a big surprise, but I genuinely, as I said in that episode, it really makes me feel like I've got a sense of purpose again. And it makes me feel like I I've got things to look forward to and I'm really excited to explore this idea of building and creating my own marathon training plans. I think I'd probably want to start with a half marathon training plan, but that's something that ever since I started running, just thought would be so cool if I could do that myself and just be able to share that with people. Having gone through multiple half marathon training plans and at this point, two marathon training plans. So keep an eye out. That might be something that comes very, very soon. I'd say my low for the week has definitely been And this is kind of a personal one and not one that I'll share too much on, but I feel, I've been feeling quite flat at work and that's not something that I'm typically used to. And for context, I joined a company about six months ago and I really hit the ground running and I'm someone who really loves to be busy and I crave busyness and I crave, like I like having a hectic schedule. It makes me feel really productive and I know that that sounds super toxic, but it's hard because I I've, for about 10 weeks, I was juggling a course alongside 
a full-time job. And so I really had to redirect my entire schedule and how I did things and how I really just got through my days and got through the week because I really did find it quite challenging at first, but I'm someone who really likes to be challenged. And so in situations like that, I think it's really great to be able to step back and just reevaluate how I may go forward and utilize my time correctly so that I can make time for myself, for the job, and for the course. And having been able to do that in the end, I think I got used to quite a busy schedule and I got used to that flow of just a steady workflow of things to do at all times. And to be honest, I've kind of come out of that course now and my work has kind of hit a plateau and I kind of in response feel like I'm hitting a plateau. And I think that a lot of people feel that way this time of year though. And I think that for the past week, I've been trying to figure out whether it's actually work or if it's the weather and you know this time of year and I think that that's why I really wanted to do this episode because I've really started to notice my mood change especially with the change of weather and daylight savings and in London specifically it gets quite dark quite early so I think we're gonna just kind of jump into the topic here but I for I went to college for four years in Seattle and I never really experienced seasonal affective disorder, which is what the topic of this episode is today. Um, the NHS website says that SAD or seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression that comes and goes in a seasonal pattern. SAD is sometimes known as winter depression because the symptoms are usually more apparent and more severe during the winter. And so I never really noticed any of the symptoms that I'll share in a bit when I was in college in Seattle. And Seattle has quite similar weather and just weather all around to London. And so I kind of thought that going into my master's program, which if you don't know, I kind of jumped straight from my undergraduate graduation into a master's program three months later in London. And I genuinely didn't think that I would be affected by the seasons changing or the darkness that the winter brings in both sort of areas of the world. And I found that I actually was quite affected by it here in London. I specifically remember the winter of 2018 being one that was quite tough. And that was the first time that I was really just getting used to the education system and how they did courses in the UK. And so basically in December of 2018, I found myself in a cafe, in a different cafe each day working on these papers. And I would be sitting there and 4.30 would hit and suddenly I'd notice that it was completely just like pitch black, either pitch black or getting dark outside. And my body clock was kind of confused because I would start to see it getting dark outside and I'd think, oh, okay, it's time to kind of pack my things up and go home. But then I would look at my watch and it would only say 4, 4.30. And so I was just always really confused and I really did find that this really impacted my mood that year. At that time of my life, I really struggled with this and I think that it was one of the main reasons that kind of drove me back into binge drinking and started to push me towards a lot of the binge drinking habits that I had had during my undergraduate. And so I think in this new phase, I'd say about three years later of a Liz who is someone who doesn't drink very much and genuinely kind of goes between being 
you know, not drinking at all and being completely sober and or drinking in moderation. I think I wanted to make this episode for people who wanted to look for healthy ways to cope with seasonal affective disorder that do struggle with it. And I just want to share in the last few years that I've kind of struggled with it, what has helped me. And so I'm hoping that this helps you guys. But before we get into the ways that it's helped me, I will just share um, a list of symptoms that the NHS has provided. So some of the symptoms of SAD can include a persistent low mood, a loss of pleasure or interest in normal everyday activities, irritability, feelings of despair, guilt and worthlessness, feeling lethargic, aka lacking in energy and sleepy during the day, sleeping for longer than normal and finding it hard to get up in the morning, and craving carbohydrates and gaining weight. So for some people, these symptoms can be severe and have a significant impact on their day-to-day activities, and for others, it can be quite minor. And I really started to notice my change of mood and I guess kind of descent into seasonal affective disorder because I think it could be quite hard to kind of determine and really pinpoint when that flip switches and when you start to experience these symptoms and I think it a lot of it goes hand in hand with the daylight savings and just changes in weather and with the weather getting colder, with it getting darker a lot earlier. But the NHS also shares that the exact cause of SAD is not fully understood, but it's often linked to reduced exposure to sunlight during the shorter autumn and winter days. The main theory is that a lack of sunlight might stop a part of the brain called the hypothalamus working properly, which then may affect the A, production of melatonin. Melatonin is a hormone that makes you feel sleepy, and in people with SAD, the body may produce it in higher than normal levels. B, production of serotonin. Serotonin is a hormone that affects your mood, appetite, and sleep. A lack of sunlight may lead to lower serotonin levels, which is linked to feelings of depression. And lastly, C, the body's internal clock. Your body uses sunlight to time various important functions, such as when you wake up, so lower light levels during the winter may disrupt your body clock and lead to symptoms of SAD. So kind of thinking of these symptoms and just causes of SAD, I think it's important to kind of take note of which ones may affect you. Obviously, or maybe they don't all affect you, maybe they all do, but I think it's just important to take note and make a mental note in your head of which ones do because I think specifically for me, I really notice that I get quite irritable in the day and if I don't like go outside, go for a walk despite the cold London weather, I really do get quite irritable quite quickly. So a good example of this was yesterday I was feeling very irritable and very upset and just low mood kind of throughout the day and I decided to use my lunch break to go out for a walk and genuinely just listen to a podcast that I was really interested in that I really do enjoy and just take a walk and bundle up. I think it's hard especially when you live in colder parts of the world and I think it can really deter some people from wanting to go out for a walk but I think it's important to know that you really just have to put on a scarf and some gloves and a jacket and go out and just brave the cold because after you start walking after a while, your body temperature kind of gets warmer, obviously with like the little bit of exercise, but after a while, you really will start to notice your change in mood. It won't be like a drastic change, but I can genuinely say that I came back and was able to finish off my workday well because I felt that slight increase in mood just from that walk. And so, With the NHS, they kind of talk about things in terms of treatment for SAD, such as 
lifestyle measures and light therapy and talking therapy. I've spoken a lot on the podcast about how I suggest that people go for therapy if you can and if you can't afford it because it's something that I have had a few experiences of with a few different therapists that I just think I don't know how I would have gotten through those particular situations and parts of my life without a therapist. So I always do recommend a therapist and specifically the NHS recommends cognitive behavioral therapy or counseling. They also talk about antidepressant medicine. So it's important to also note that for some people, medicine is the route that they need to go for, especially in during times of the year such as this. And I think it's important to note that not everything can be solved with just one conversation or a face mask or a bubble bath. And I think it's important to note that for some people, it's more serious than others. So if you think that you might need antidepressant medicine, I think that's something that you definitely should talk to your doctor about. But for things that I have really found helpful and that actually the NHS has also recommended for lifestyle measures, they talk about getting as much natural sunlight as possible and exercising regularly to help manage your stress levels. It is not sunny very much in London at the moment and I can tell you right now I'm looking outside my window and it's very overcast but even yesterday there was just like a moment in the afternoon where it was a bit sunny and I just got outside it was absolutely freezing I'll tell you that but just getting outside and getting whatever sunlight you can I think is really important but if you are like me and find that most days where you live are quite gloomy I think exposure to light is so important so the NHS also talks about light therapy so they talk about like a special lamp called a light box that is used to stimulate exposure to sunlight but I found that just turning on light in general and genuinely if it's like a ring light if it's a bright lamp that genuinely helps me to kind of just like brighten up a room a bit more and I know that there are things such as like alarm clocks that stimulate or simulate a sunrise and sunset and I've genuinely thought about that so so much but I I've really found that light therapy is something that has really helped. It really helped me last year as well. It was something that actually a boss had sent to me, which was actually quite nice because I was working long hours and just finding it really hard to keep my mood up. And I think that it was something that I did appreciate at the time because it was something that really did genuinely help me because I had, at that point in my life, I had to work quite early hours. So if you're someone who's like working in different time zones, especially during the winter, I think that light therapy is something that you should genuinely look into, especially during work and having that light box or lamp or whatever you want while you're working because it really does help your mood while you're working. Obviously, I talk a lot about running on the podcast and the and the NHS recommends getting as much exercise as you can to manage stress levels. But I think something that's important to be of note here is that A, you shouldn't feel like you should have to overexercise. And I think that this time of year is particularly hard for a lot of people. And kind of having gone through anorexia and a two-year eating disorder, I know that Thanksgiving and Christmas brings a lot of anxiety for people with eating disorders or unhealthy relationships with food. I spoke a lot with Steph in one of my episodes recently about eating disorders. And it's really important to note that 
people do struggle this time of year. And so it's important to note that if you do choose to exercise and if exercise is something that helps your stress levels and helps your seasonal affective disorder during this time of year to keep it healthy. And I think that a really great way to keep it healthy is to change it up from time to time. And I'm kind of challenging myself to do that at the moment. I've really found that with some of my cross training, it gets quite stagnant and I get quite bored of it really quickly. Or I'll have a week where while I am doing my running and my training and it mixes up each week, I just need something different and I need to just change it up. And so some days I'll just switch them around and I'll do some HIIT workouts instead or Pilates or yoga. And I think it's just important to note that whatever way that you want to move your body is a way of moving your body. And if that whatever way suits you and helps your stress levels, helps your mental health and your seasonal affective disorder, I think it's important to note that like there's not one mode of exercise that's going to suit everyone. So while I talk about and preach about running so much on the podcast, it's because it's something that's genuinely helped my mental health despite having a negative, having had a negative relationship with it during my eating disorder. I've really turned that around and it's become something that is genuinely my way that just really helps me start the day well and help me just mentally feel at peace and feel prepared and ready and like happy to take on the day and so I think for everyone that looks different whether you like to play sports whether you like to go to the gym whether you like to swim cycle there are so many different things that you can try out and most of them we've now figured out in the past year that you can do from the comfort of your home yoga with Adrienne is something that I recently discovered that is specifically she does a lot of really cool stuff around yoga for runners which is something that I've really enjoyed but I think that there's so much stuff on YouTube that is really really helpful I also really like MadFit and Sarah's Day was always a workout program that I like to do from time to time so all great stuff and much more I imagine on YouTube to definitely discover but I think just in general I think my top tips for battling and kind of dealing with seasonal affective disorder during the winter holiday season is to get out as much as you can a whether that's through exercise whether that's for a walk and just listening to a podcast it will really really help with your mood and I know that it's so cold but I genuinely would encourage you to try and do it more often especially during the winter holidays b I would definitely say to try light therapy if you haven't yet. It's something that I thought was so, I thought it was dumb to be honest and I I just sounded very um, wishy-washy and I didn't really believe it until I tried it and it genuinely helped my mood so much and I think when you create a space as well in your home that really caters to helping your mood and helping you feel better and being able to help you settle down in the evening and wake up in the morning I think that that really sets you up for success. And lastly, I would obviously advise to talk to someone if you haven't already, if you are able to afford that, and if that is something that is an option for you. I think therapy is something that has changed my life so much, and I will never kind of stop preaching therapy because it's something that I really, I wish that everyone would do at some point in their life, and I wish that everyone had access to because it is so helpful to have an external person kind of looking into your life and looking into the issues that you are struggling with at the moment to provide further insight, to provide further ideas and help you kind of navigate that part of your life. And so if you haven't already, I would highly recommend talking to a therapist. 
All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. I will have a couple of links in the show notes, but the very first link will be to my fundraiser for Alzheimer's Society. If you want to hear more about why I'm fundraising with them, go to my previous episode, but please do check that out and make a donation if you can. I'm very excited for next year and the two marathons that I'll be running. But in the meantime, feel free to check out Resiliency and Running on social media, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.